This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Don Robertson, general manager of the Dundas Real McCoys, as well as coach and president and part owner or full owner. I don't know what you. I don't. Even, I don't even know what your titles with that. The Grand Poobah of the Dundas Real McCoys, who are getting started not too long from now, as winter is rapidly approaching, even though it doesn't feel like it. And uh, the uh, owner operator of Com Choice Realty in Dundas and purveyor of many other activities in the greater Dundas area. We don't hear about the GDA all that often, the greater Dundas area. We're, uh, we're trying to keep it private. <laughs> we had the Cactus Festival. And we let a few people in just a sample and then just sent them and home. Then we shipped them back out again very quickly. <laughs> and it's always kind of cool now uh, with uh, Valdez's uh, Cactus Thriving Crack, <laughs> crack, crack <laughs> Business. Cactus Business now <laughs> folded up and becoming a park. And so many people come to the Cactus Festival that are, you know, probably half of them have moved to Dundas before uh, that business closed up and go, why is it called the Cactus Festival? It's always a great question. Well, the the reality is we moved it from Phoenix, the parade and the event. So that's what I tell them. Yeah. Because when you drive through Dundas, one of the things that I don't know if everyone has noticed this, but you don't see a lot of saguaro cactus off on the side of the road. You do on the building of the Thirsty Cactus. Well, that's the one place. That's the one place, but yeah, it's, um, well, that's Dawn. What I want to ask you about though tonight to start with is, and it's a topic that everybody's been talking about today. It's Colin Kaepernick, the San Francisco 49ers, now backup quarterback who says the United States is a country that allows police officers to gun down black people in the streets. And so he's not going to stand up for the national anthem until something gets done about that. Very quickly, because you know what? Everyone's had a thought on this. Everyone's had an opinion. Very quickly, before we get to a a side of this, what do you think of what he's doing? I think he's an idiot. All right. I didn't know you were going to ask that question, obviously, because I never know what we're going to talk about until we start. But I think there's a time and place for anything. And if he wants to make a statement, he has many opportunities as a quarterback, right? I mean, it's a lot of... Uh, reporters want to talk to him to say if, see if he's got anything a little bit different than saying, you know, we're going to give it 110% and every other stock answer you could ever think of. And uh, so I think there's ample opportunity. Disgracing your national anthem is not the place to do that, in my opinion. You know, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, in fact, I largely agree with you on this one. I think it's it's the wrong thing to take aim at, especially for a guy, quite frankly, if you are going to be saying that this is a racist country that doesn't provide opportunities for Afro-American men, you just need to look at your paycheck and you're making $19 million this year as an Afro-American man. There are troubles for sure, but it is not that everybody is being held down. It's, it's, it's a really difficult issue. It really is. But here's what I want to ask you about, because we, everyone, as I say, everyone listening... I know everyone listening has an opinion on him. Everyone listening has an opinion on the idea of what he's doing. But here's my question. The 49ers, the 49ers brass, his coach, many of his teammates in the NFL all say, well, that's his prerogative. And the NFL says they're not going to suspend him. The 49ers say they're not going to discipline him. And fine, that's, that's their choice. My question is this. I have no issue with someone bottom line, having free speech. I disagree perhaps with what he says or how he does it, but I like the idea that he has the freedom to express himself for whatever he believes. But what if it had not been a topic that was politically sensitive in the positive way? 
right? So he's fighting for African-American people who he believes are being targeted. What if he had picked a topic like perhaps Kurt Schilling has done, who's on the right side of the political right, don't mean correct, I mean the right-leaning side of the political equation. What if Colin Kaepernick had said, I'm going to take a stand by not standing for the national anthem because I believe that gay marriage is wrong. Use an example. Do you believe that they would have, that anybody, the team, the league, anybody, would have said, oh, that's, in, that's entirely your right to have that opinion? I don't believe they would for a second. I think that he's only getting he's only getting a pass on this because he's taken a position that is politically defendable or politically expedient. Well, my position hasn't changed. He's an idiot because of what. You know, but we, what would happen to him if he took a less politically favorable position that he decided he was going to take a stand for, or take a seat for? Frankly, well, I I, I mean, my position is using your own national anthem as the uh, the stage to do any kind of statement at all is inappropriate. He can he can do all the things he wants. He can build a platform from for himself. He's not a second string DB. He's not an unknown player that didn't do it. He he you know, making almost twenty million dollars a year. People will listen to what he has to say. And I think he abuses the national anthem. And I think the National Football League is, you know, should suggest that if we're going to play the national anthem, we'd like all of our players and officials to stand up. What would the National Football League do if one of its referees sat down during the national anthem? Would they give him a pass? They would for any reason? No, not not a chance. Of course they wouldn't. Not a chance. Now the the <laughs> argument they would give with the referees is they say you are you are not an individual. When you put on the black and white stripes, you are essentially one and the same with the league. You are not a player. You are supposed to be invisible, and so you're. I mean, listen, same I, league, and same national anthem. I think they're. I, I think they're taking the easy way out. Myself, I think I compare it to. Okay, and I and I grant you that. But again, my point would be: what happens if the position was less politically okay? Because we're, we're the, the still, whole, but Scott, he's still using the national anthem that. as the platform, and that's what makes. But him. they're letting him do this because they're saying it's free speech. They're saying it's free speech, so you can take an unpopular, you can make an unpopular stand because we give you that right. It's free speech in this country. But if he said something that was really politically incorrect, if he was doing the same thing for something that was completely untenable for some of these teams, would they say? Well, you sure you can have your free speech. I don't think they would. I think you. The only reason he gets away with this is because it's a politically okay position, and that is that is hypocritical. I think I, of the league. I I agree. I I think it's wrong, but I agree that that in part is why he's getting a pass. Uh, I still don't think it's the forum, but for, without question, agreed. Without question, he's getting a pass because of that. What would be interesting is if it if it went to epidemic proportions and a third of the people in the stands decided to sit down and follow his uh, lead or if 15 of his players on, on his team started to and a number of players on another team started to. At least one other player in the league has already said that he intends to sit for the national anthem. So you will see, it appears, some guys doing this as a result of his lead and Again, I, I, I'm with you that I think it's 
ultimately the biggest thing is it's just absolutely disrespectful. That's 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 the that's the bottom line of this thing. It's disrespectful to your country, to the I mean, the remember where the national anthem in sports started? National anthem was first played at a sporting event in 1918 at the World Series because the war, World War 1. And then it sort of didn't go anywhere, but then in 1944 or 43 it began again in the Second World War and has been continuously through there. So there is a very clear connection between the national anthem being played at sporting events and military and service people. So it's not like it started in the middle of nothing and so you can trace it back to just somebody deciding they wanted to sing a song before the game. There is very clear lines tying military and tying servicemen and sacrifice to this. So it's disrespectful to the people who have fought for his freedom. Well, it's disrespectful for the people who have fought to give him the right to do this. That's what I mean. whatever he wants. Exactly. See, I've long fought, not fought, that's inaccurate. I've long brought up the subject uh, that I'm not convinced at the Ontario Hockey Association level and a number of other amateur levels and professional levels I'm, I've never been 100% convinced we should play our national anthem prior to the game. And it's not out of disrespect for it, it's out of respect for it. Because you can look around at almost any sporting event. And uh, when I used to run a minor pro hockey team in Brantford and we would go down to the States and you'd see guys not take their hats off. And uh, I'm not saying we're any better at this than the Americans. And sitting around laughing and drinking beer and waiting for the anthem to be over and I got thinking boy is that disrespectful so I thought that uh, the, a better way to be impactful with the national anthem is play it at the Olympics play it at the start of a playoff game play it at your play it at significant games play it on your November 11th game make sure everybody was totally engaged and I, I do that because in the 80s and 90s, there was far more disrespect, I thought, for our national anthem. Now, it seems to have improved. And in playoff games, you can see it in the States and, and with the Blue Jays, where the fans will sing the national anthem. And to me, that's very cool. That's the way, that's how impactful our national anthem should be. So my opinion on the national anthem and, and how it should be shared at sporting events is probably far different than a lot of people's because we continue to do it all the time. But I just think it's but a I think very a lot respectful of, thing and it should be honored and this guy's not doing that. I think a lot of people would actually share your view that do we need to have this before every game? What's going to happen though now is none of the people who share your view, and I happen to think that's a great idea, that it should be for special times. Oh, they're going to think I'm an idiot and that's fine. No, no, no. I don't think you're an idiot at all. I think it's no, but, a, I, no, but the people that love it and say I'm off base and you got to play it before every game. Not if, you're, not if you're saying that we're not not playing it ever again. We are picking our spots. I, yeah. I think that, but... But now, now that you've got an athlete who has very loudly made a case against it, if somebody were to follow your idea, it looks like to them, Colin Kaepernick won. So you're now in this thing where you've got your heels being dug into the ground because neither side, they don't want to make it look like Colin Kaepernick won this thing. He's a, in their mind, he's a disrespectful jerk. And meanwhile, Colin Kaepernick doesn't, he's not going to back down now. He looks like an idiot if suddenly he goes, oh, okay, I'll stand up. Oh, no, he's dug in now, yep. So you've got two sides, neither one, and, and some of the players who are going to side with him. 
I don't know how you, the league is not going to tell its players they have to stand up for the national anthem. They, if, they're not going to do it. The league is not going to do that. If he wants to take a real stand. Because that'll and, make him a martyr. And he wants everything to be the same for everybody. Then he should fight for pay equity and make sure everybody makes $6 million a year and some guys aren't making two and he's making so he can make 19. That'd be a respectful stand. But Don, he's picked his political stance, which, let's be honest, I don't dispute that he truly feels very strongly about this. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he put a lot of thought into this, I Scott. think he feels very strongly about it, but it is also worth pointing out that this political stance, he has a guaranteed contract that is going to pay him. I think it's $19 million. He's not, this is not, I read someone today saying that if you think that, if you want to go out and burn your Colin Kaepernick jersey, you also have to burn your Muhammad Ali poster. And I thought, wait a second. When Muhammad Ali took his stance, it cost him everything. He couldn't fight. He couldn't earn a living. He was, Muhammad Ali gave up everything to take the stance that he did. This is not what Colin Kaepernick is doing. These two, that is a we're talking about disrespectful. That is an entirely disrespectful position to take to somehow compare him, which some people are doing with Muhammad Ali. Because again, Ali what was it three years that he couldn't fight because of his the stance that he took and the and the purses that he lost and everything else. Colin Kaepernick is simply going to get booed. That's it. He's going to get booed. Muhammad Ali likely in today's numbers cost himself fifty million dollars at least. Yeah. If you look at what, who was the, uh, who's the fighter who, uh, uh, um, oh, who just had the, the lightweight, uh, with Pacquiao. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he, yeah, go ahead. He made what? $200 million for that fight. Muhammad Ali in today's money probably cost himself half a billion dollars. Yeah. And he, but he stood up for his principles. What is Colin Kaepernick sacrificing other than being booed? What is he sacrificing for this? Well, in his own community, he'll be hailed as a hero as well. But what, it, so, okay. In some so, parts of it. Right, so he's not sacrificing anything. He's, he's I, again, I, I believe that he believes strongly in this issue. I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's doing this just to get attention. I believe that he believes in this. But it's not costing anything. For him to do what you said, to fight the, the battle that says, yeah, pay equity for everybody, for all players. I want the backup DB to make the same as the starting quarterback. It's amazing how so many athletes want to have a players' union until it comes time to share the wealth, and then, wait a second, got to get everything I can get. If it was a true union, if any players' union in sports was a true union, you're right, they would all get the same, or it would be on a scale of seniority for a number of years played. It wouldn't be on your ability. No, so, the, the better guys could say, all right, you're going to get make extra money on your endorsements and outside of the game so you will be more successful and more wealthy than the other guys. So no player is going to take up that political stance unless maybe he's in his last year and he's already made tons and tons of money and now he can try and go out the conquering hero. But even then, he's he, no player, no player today is going to take a political stance that is essentially going to cost them the riches that they can have from their sport. I I, I just want to be clear that I I hundred percent concur with you that I believe that he wholeheartedly believes in what he's doing. Yeah, I just think uh, the the stage he's using again is is really inappropriate. But I I do believe that he believes in it, and it's a great opportunity for him to make the statement. But I think if 
he can find a better way. I'll tell you the one thing, that, the one cost there will be to Colin Kaepernick as we go to break. Uh, he is now a backup quarterback. When they go into some other team's park, he is going to be sitting on the sidelines. And I guarantee you that there will not be a moment of peace from the fans sitting behind him on the bench that you will be hearing. Now, does that really bother him? Or does he simply turn around and say, you care to see my paycheck? He's got 19 million reasons to be there, and I'll bet he doesn't lose a nickel in endorsement money. Well, if he does, he'll collect it somewhere else. It'll, it'll just get switched around. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. So, my new stepdaughter, Veronica, is listening to me in her car in California on her way home from work, and she thinks it's Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> well, she's not all that far off. <laughs> She's not all that far off. I had no idea that our signal went all the way to California. That's fantastic. The wind must be blowing south today. That's that's with southwest, maybe a bit west. Southwest, too. yeah, that's good. I'm i Jeff Story will be thrilled to know that the 900 CHML signal made it all the way to California. Better give a sunscreen sponsor. I have always said, when it comes to instant replay in sports that I truly hate every single version of it. I hate every single version of it. There's almost nothing in instant replay that I find good about it. I, if you're going to have human officials on the field, by definition, you have to be willing to accept the opportunity or the possibility that maybe there is human error. If you don't want to have human error, you don't have human officials on the field, period. It's, it's easy. It's one way or the other. You either get rid of them and you do it by computer and by cameras, or you have them and you live with the possibility that they might make a mistake. But here's the thing. In my mind, the CFL has reached a point with its challenges that has become ludicrous. Now, I know they just changed the rule this week because it was getting so ridiculous. But there are so many things that coaches can challenge for. We have reached in the CFL and the NFL and Major League Baseball now where you have um, we have managers standing on the top step, looking back at their bench coats, waiting for a replay to see whether they're actually going to protest or not. Do you share any of this, or are you entirely in favor of instant replay to get the perfect call every single time? And I know you, for those who don't know, you used to be a referee in hockey. I refereed senior A, referee junior A, and I, I was a big advocate of only one referee doing it, although the speed of the game would never permit that now because the referee has the feel for the game. And I can, if you go into the corner with a guy and, and you give him a shot and I decide not to call it and then the guy gives you a shot back, I've made that decision that you're now even and used to say that to guys. Right? That's enough. The next guy's going to have to go somewhere. And um, I like the idea of getting it right. Uh, if there's an offside goal scored, uh, I think that's wrong. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to argue with myself here. But I also believe that um, since you, the linesmen generally switch ends halfway through the game, so if one guy's bad, everybody's going to eat it the same way, and at the end of the year it all works out, and I like the human element of it. But we're finding in baseball, I've been watching a lot more Blue Jays now that they're winning a game, and the calls that I see that are overturned, the view that you originally see it on, you think the umpire's right. And they're, and they're overturning some calls 
where the umpire doesn't get a look at it when the tag goes down. I know you want to talk about the CFL, but no, no, it could be. I, I don't care what sport you want to talk about. I the the issue I take with what you've just said, which is not incorrect, is that I would argue that ninety five percent of the overturn calls that we're seeing in any sport are so absolutely paper thin close that it becomes ridiculous because we have lived with that for a hundred years in sports or more. And I, I go back to last year. If you remember near the end, it was either in the playoffs or just near the end of last year's baseball season. Troy Tulowitzki, the, the, sorry, the player and the other team slid into second base and popped up sort of. And Troy Tulowitzki kept his glove on the guy's foot and he came off the base by three sheets of paper laid flat. I'm not talking lengthwise. I'm talking the width of three sheets of paper. And they slowed it down and slowed it down and zoomed it in and eventually determined there was a teeny weeny teeny bit of daylight between his cleat and the base and he was out. And it's like, that cannot be what instant replay was supposed to be for. To me, instant replay was supposed to be for egregious mistakes. Like in the 1985 World Series where George Orta when it was San Francisco and Kansas City that changed the entire course of the series. Or with the perfect game in Detroit a few years ago. Yep. Yeah. Egregious mistakes where everybody could see that it was a mistake no matter where you're sitting. Not the stuff that's, let's slow it down, back it up, put it to one, like four million frames a second and then look at one frame every three seconds and see how this is done. So, so I understand your argument, which is good for me. Um, so I take from that, that you would be an advocate of the neighborhood double play at second base when they're turning a second, you, you know, Josh Donaldson's firing it over to Tulo and he just kind of is near second base and throws it over to first and you got a pair. And he might've been six inches away from the bag, but it was always a double play. And we saw them for years and years and years like that. You didn't have to always touch the bag. If you were near the bag, that was good enough. And that used to drive me nuts. I'm going, why do they have umpires? Like, as long as you scuffed your foot along and tried to get to the bag, and you clearly had the guy by three or four strides, it was a double play. Is that better? How many people who were watching baseball back in the 50s and 60s and into the 70s would argue that baseball was way worse then because... There was the occasional call that was like that. I actually did a survey on that. Nobody. <laughs> no, it's the the problem has become that an idea that came into play with good intentions that we are going to prevent the egregious call from ruining a game has become abused to the point now where we are talking about millimeters. How many times now have we seen in baseball in the last year or two the play at first base where we're trying to determine if the ball has actually touched the leather in the first baseman's glove before the foot has touched the base. And Don, there is no human way a lot of these times that you can actually tell. And yet we're deciding games on this. If if you don't want human beings making the call, remove the human beings and have a series of cameras with a guy in the booth who can immediately look at and hit either a green button for safe or a red button for red, and it lights up on the scoreboard and everyone in the place knows. Well, who's John Gibbons going to argue with? But they're not allowed to argue anymore. Well, they still do it once in a while. They're not the good old days. But only for balls and strikes now. 
and then they get tossed. They know now the only thing they can argue, and they're not really allowed to. Yeah, the only thing you can argue about is balls and strikes. And if you argue about that, we throw yeah, you out. Yeah. So, but here, everything else. Here's is where I think a lot of us come from. Uh, digital TV. Yes, absolutely. And and all the all the networks, yes. including the CBC, having a goaltender with a camera up his wazoo to see if it crossed the goal line. They have cameras in places that we didn't even know you could put cameras because of Mark Chamberlain's <laughs> West... Uh, oh, what's his camera company's name? Boy, you'll shoot me. West Cam? West Cam. Like, right? So th- there are now cameras everywhere. And I think what happened was because of the networks being able to prove how often the uh, the umpires or the officials were wrong, that it came to a head. And you have to know, I would hope that sitting around the Board of Governors meetings in the National Hockey League are going, this is becoming problematic. Every governor's meeting of every major, this is problematic. We'd like to leave it up to the referees, but now we're all looking bad here. here and they're determining the outcome of games, and there's uh, there's absolute proof that these guys are screwing up some major, major calls, which are the only ones that you really want to use them for. Here is how you fix this. It's very simple to fix this, and I'm not I'm not being sarcastic at all. It's very simple to fix this. Start with baseball. You now have that move where the manager comes to the top step and he's sort of halfway out of the dugout, so the umpire's like, well, don't do anything yet. Don't do anything yet. If baseball were to institute the 22nd pitch rule, as I think they should have for years now. They've tried different stuff, but. If baseball was to institute the 22nd pitch rule, that's the first start. The second point is then, if the manager steps out of the dugout, that is considered a challenge. No more stepping up there to stall. The minute you step out of the dugout, that is a challenge. So yeah, you wait a minute. Wait, and so, so you he, think that'll stop it because the pitcher's going to tie his boot? Right? You're not throwing or, it in twenty seconds. You're not throwing it in twenty seconds. It's 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 a ball. It's a ball. I'm telling you, it's got in big will, games like that. The guy's going to say, "I got to clean my glasses." In football, they'll all be wearing glasses. They'll find a way. In football, when the coach has the challenge flag, you've got ten seconds after a play to throw the challenge flag. We're not going to give you time to have everybody in the booth to, decide who knows. to look at three versions of super slow motion and then throw the flag. You've got 10 seconds for the flag to hit the turf or so else. you've got to know you're right or wrong. It's got to be for things where the coach looks and goes, oh yeah, that was clearly wrong. Not where you're going to take a, a shot at it and say, I think maybe there was a one millimeter difference there. We can get this. Well, you know, they didn't see that. I mean. That's the, what I'm saying. And the Tula whiskey thing where the guy doesn't bring up. I mean, you, 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 I mean, you can't slip a, a coaster between his foot no. and the, and so the if bag. You, if you were to say, Nobody you have that. to make a decision within in any sport within 10 seconds before the replay can get shown, before everything else, then you can have the referee, the, sorry, the managers, the coaches, whatever, taking action to remedy the egregious mistakes that instant replay was designed to fix and not nickel and diming every little other thing that we don't want to slow games down for. That's the way to do it. I think we've gone too far now, though. Well, or, I, no, you or, can back it up with a time limit. Or you talk to the networks, and when you're awarding rights, you're going to say, we don't want to see this thing in 15 different angles proving our officials are wrong all but the that, time. But no, no network will agree to that because that's part of what the networks do. That's part of their show. But if you do it by a time limit, you've got 10 seconds from the time of that play. We'll put it up on the scoreboard. The countdown every time we have we have play clocks we have shot, shot clocks, clocks we have everything else you have ten seconds from the end of that play to make a decision if you're an official if you're a coach and if you don't do it within ten seconds 
I'm sorry, you can't you can't challenge that play. You know what? That would allow them when it's a terrible, terrible, terrible call to get in there and do it, and it would prevent them from doing all these little things where they got a voice upstairs going, "Oh, that's really close. Better check that one." You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. There is a lot of talk that Hamilton is in the running somehow, sort of unclear how, but somehow to have a new, to become the new home of Golf Canada, to be the new centerpiece for golf in this country, that we're going to somehow have a new golf course that we can play the Canadian Open on regularly and have the headquarters here and on and on and on. Is that something at this point in our history in, and in this point in golf's trajectory that is a good investment for us? I think it's brilliant. I think it's an opportunity to put us on the uh, world stage by holding Canadian Opens here. On we do regular. hold it, though, here. Hold it in Oakville. At, at Hamilton. But if you build the Golf Canada's premier course to replace... That uh, Glen Abbey that's going to be in the rotation guaranteed every three years to bring it home and you're going to have the home of golf here. I think it's brilliant and I'm the hockey guy, right? But I'm telling you that there's got to be people out there and it's certainly crossed my mind. I know Councillor Maroulis talked about uh, um, the East End course. Kings Forest? Kings Forest. Uh, I just, I think that they're probably, if you have, you're going to need at least 200 acres out there to build something. And I know they need infrastructure and I don't think uh, we have the service land to do it, but I can't believe there aren't a couple entrepreneurs out there that are sitting there going, wow, like the guys that own Flamber Downs right now saying, you know, I could, I could, it'd probably take me a day, but I could assemble probably 300 acres for them. They'd pay a premium for it to put it up there. You're not going to have city services up there, but there's enough, there's enough land up there that you could certainly put some pretty substantial septic systems in. And, and with the, with the treatment plants I've got now, you could probably do it in unserviced land. And if you can, I think we should be going after it a hundred percent. I think it would be brilliant. I just question whether the trajectory that golf as a sport is on right now would support that because we are in the post Tiger Woods era and ratings are not where they were when Tiger Woods was playing. Participation is not where it was when Tiger Woods was playing. It's impossible to overstate the impact of him not being around. And I just, I, you know, for the money that it would cost, I just wonder about it. I, I think it would be fantastic. I'd love to have it on the rotation. I'd love to have the Canadian Open here. But for that kind of investment that would require some public money, I don't know that golf is in the on the upward slope anymore. I think uh, well, it, it, it's probably not. And what better time to get in? I mean, when Buy t- low. when TVs come out, they thought it would be the end of the newspaper. Probably radio before that, and then when the internet come out, they think there wouldn't be. You know, who's going to buy a newspaper? And how do you garner your living? You're, I mean, you're a skilled craftsman at, at being a columnist. But there's always that Mostly market. through landscaping, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and it would, I just think it's a wonderful opportunity. And now when you're going in, when it's at a bit of a low, but it'll come back again. There'll be another superstar. I'm sure it was in a slump before Tiger Woods showed up and took the world by storm. I mean, everybody thought that the NHL, what's the NHL going to do without Wayne Gretzky? There's been a couple guys replace him. Some people think Sidney Crosby's all right. I thought it was Ty Domi that saved the NHL. 
Ty Domi saved the Toronto Maple Leafs, not the NHL. And Connor McDavid's doing a good job. So there'll be there'll be a new Tiger Woods. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.